0: you know who your state legislators are? What are the major issues going on in your state? Well, we're not gonna to try to answer those questions right here, but if you head over to a different KCUR Studios podcast, that's State House Blend, hosts Sam Zeph and Brian Ellison take you inside the different state houses of Missouri and Kansas to talk with politicians over coffee and donuts. That's State House Blend, find it on iTunes and Google Play now. In KCUR Studios, I'm Suzanne Hogan.
1: And I'm Cody Newell.
0: And this is Question Quest.
1: We're setting out to find landmarks, oddities, legends,
0: all the curious things in the Midwest that make you wonder, what's up with that?
1: We'll put them in two decks of cards, shuffle them up,
0: and take turns each week sending each other on a quest to find out the answer. Okay, so it's your turn this week, Cody. Pick a card, any
1: card. I want this one. Okay, so there's a picture of this tiny white building with a cross on it that says U.S. Center Chapel. And here's the description. In northern Kansas, there's a town named Lebanon that calls itself the geographical center of the contiguous 48 United States of America. What's going on in the center of our country? This seems pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that does seem cool. So it's the center of the country. Have you ever been to any other monuments like that? Like the Four Corners, like Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah, where they all meet?
1: No, I haven't. Have you?
0: Yeah. I've also um, actually been to the equator down in Ecuador and had one side of my body on the northern hemisphere and one side on the southern. And you take... A cheesy picture you know sitting on either side <laughs>
1: that's super cool though
0: yeah it's pretty fun those type of places are pretty fun
1: yeah for sure well I guess I'm gonna go out to the center of the country then
0: man I want to go to the center of the country and see what it's like that sounds cool
1: well let's go come on I can go yeah are you sure I think you need yeah I mean whatever this is our podcast we can do whatever we want we
0: can make our own rules yeah. all right
1: we make the rules so let's, let's go all right let's do it Before we left to check out Lebanon, I wanted to make sure that it actually was the geographical center of the U.S., not to be, like, overly critical, but it definitely sounds like some weird roadside gimmick or something like that.
0: Yeah, like the type of thing you'd see on a billboard that would just make you pull over, like, look at the biggest ball of twine or the biggest (laughs) pebble.
1: Right, so (laughs) something like that, but maybe a little bit harder to fake than something like that, but still kind of in that same vein. So I did a little digging, and it looked like Lebanon's designation was pretty legit, but I kept seeing the name of another town, Rugby, North Dakota, that was making similar claims.
2: We're a small town by most people's standards. You know, it's like 3,900 that live here, and uh, we are the geographical center of North America.
1: Shelley Block with the Rugby Chamber of Commerce says that folks who come to Rugby usually know about its geographical centeredness, but those who don't get caught up pretty quick.
2: We got keychains. We've got. Stickers that say Geographical Center of North America. T-shirts, of course. We really do. um, We're proud of it.
1: Rugby even celebrates a Geographical Center Day each year.
2: We had well over 300 motorcycles rolling down rugby. Seven different inflatables. We had a duck pond for the kids. um, A gentleman that did balloons, minnow races. Had a dunking booth.
1: In fact, even when Shelley left rugby to live in Minnesota for a while, she says its reputation followed her.
2: When I would tell people, they would say, oh, the Geographical Center of North America. And, you know, growing up here, you hear it so often, I don't think you realize the importance of it.
1: And the way she describes it, hundreds of folks visit every year to see the 21-foot-tall stone marker in town.
2: All year long. The neatest thing is so many people in our Community here will take the time to stop and take a picture for them, so that they don't have to do the selfie. Or if it's just with them, you know, take a picture of the monument itself.
1: (laughs) I think that's funny that you you guys help out so people don't do selfies. That's funny.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Selfies don't always turn out right. So, (laughs) you know, it's just they're just good, kind people here.
1: Have you ever had a selfie go wrong?
2: Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You <laughs> your face off, for heaven's sake. <laughs> or you don't get the whole monument in it. Because the monument is tall, so... <laughs> there you go, yeah. yeah. The selfie probably would turn out perfectly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Talking to Shelley about the geographical center of North America made me wonder how you even figured that out in the first place. So, before we left for Lebanon, I called up Carrie Cron with the United States Geological Survey.
3: Part of what their mission is, is to establish this reference frame.
1: Cron says that surveyors in the 1800s and 1900s established a center point of sorts just 40 miles south of Lebanon in the 1870s to help them map the country.
3: That was Mead's Ranch. And we know very precisely the location of that point and all of the other points. And there are a lot of these, you call them survey monuments or benchmarks, all over the place. You know, a lot of people don't even know that, but there are. I mean, these are monuments in the ground that we know very precisely the positions of those points on the surface of the Earth.
0: Which is pretty wild to think about. I mean, those early surveyors were going out in big search parties into the wilderness to set those markers into the ground. And this was uncharted areas at that time. So these were like explorers.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And by connecting those points across the U.S. to Mead's Ranch, they created a coordinate system that formed the basis for our maps, GPS and all sorts of other technologies that you probably use on your smartphone regularly. But Mead's Ranch wasn't the actual center of the U.S. Carrie says that that project was a different beast altogether.
3: It sounds to me like they actually did a physical representation of the 48 United States, right, at that time. And they actually balanced that thing at a certain point.
0: They just made a map and balanced it on something like a fine point or a pen or something?
1: Yeah, so according to documents... They mounted it on cardboard. Cardboard? Yeah. uh, And then just balanced that. They found the spot where a pen or a finger or whatever they used uh, would balance it in the center of it. And then they marked that spot as the center of the U.S. And if that sounds unscientific, it's because it kind of is.
3: You have to make a lot of assumptions. One of them would be that, that the edge is static. Well, in fact, our coastline is changing right? All the time. We've got erosion happening on, on the coast in some places, and in some places um, we're adding to that coastline, assuming that, you know, the, the whole United States is flat, which it isn't. The earth is an ellipsoid, so it's not a flat surface.
1: And since those early days of mapping the U.S., technology has changed how geologists and mappers do their work. Instead of using Meade's Ranch, you know, that surveying center point south of Lebanon, well, now the USGS just uses the core of the Earth as a reference point. And satellites and airplanes have changed the entire nature of mapping the land.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting that now we use the core... And that's something that it's not like someone could walk through the wilderness to the center to to get that information, because obviously we're using, you know, advanced technological equipment. And you'd think with all the advancements in technology that maybe we could actually figure out the actual center of the U.S.
1: Well, so I asked Carrie that, too. And. She said that if we used computers to make a digital polygon of the u s it could probably be done pretty accurately and it's worth noting that the guys who did the original calculations for the center felt like they got within twenty miles of it.
3: I mean honestly, the fact that we've got you know massively powerful computers um, would help us to include a lot more points on the edge of that polygon and probably much more sophisticated mathematical um, algorithms. You know, I don't know. Maybe somebody (laughs) wants to give that a shot. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be doing that. I know I'm not going to be doing that because I don't think it has a real practical purpose.
1: But even though being the center of the country or North America is pretty much useless to scientists, I still wanted to know what it meant for people in Lebanon. So we set out at the crack of dawn to go halfway across Kansas.
0: So we are driving on, we're on 36, heading...
1: West? <laughs> it's early. <laughs> it's, it's way too early. We decide to take the scenic route instead of the interstate and see some of the towns and whatnot along the way. As we drive through the rolling northern Flint Hills, we keep passing stands filled with goods and don't really know what to make of it. Huge estate sale. <laughs> We've passed so many sales, Yeah. like so many garage sales, yard sales, bake sales.
0: Gotta make that money. Yeah,
1: <laughs> They've got that hustle.
0: So what we really need is a gas station. Yeah.
1: Is this is Marysville? This is a nice downtown strip. Yeah, On Brick Road. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, we can come back here for dinner.
1: We should do that, yeah. Oh, they've even got a vape shop.
0: Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> do we need to stop? <laughs> yeah, so we need to yeah, stop Mr. so I can Maybe. get
1: some vape juice. <laughs>
0: Lebanon, two miles north. Yeah.
1: That sign is kind of busted. <laughs> it's kind like all of, rusted. Kind of. Hey, we made it in good time, four and a half hours. Perfect, that's exactly what Google Maps said. <laughs> when we arrive in Lebanon, the first thing we notice is that it's a really small town, like less than 500 people small, but the surroundings are really beautiful. This was actually like a really, like really awesome drive.
0: Yeah, Kansas gets a bad rep, but actually I think it's one of the most beautiful drives. Just the rolling landscape, and you can see so far, and yeah, there's something really nice about the
1: openness of it all. As we get closer to downtown, we pass some dilapidated and condemned houses, but there are also some that look recently renovated and well-kept. We pass by an old school building, and a sign outside says it's now a museum, and there are about a dozen chickens strutting around a fenced area outside of it. Our first stop is a small market and diner called Ladaw's on Lebanon's main drag. The owner Randall flies around the shop, helping out residents.
0: Ooh, we should get a mug.
1: Yeah, we should.
0: How much are they?
1: I'm not sure. Or shop <laughs>
0: Cool. Postcards. Yeah, I definitely want to get a postcard.
1: Okay.
0: Is it just one kind or are there two?
1: I think there's two. Oh, there's one with the chapel on it. We decide to send our postcards back home. Who should I write it to? Um, you
0: could do it to Sylvia.
1: <laughs> okay. Yo, Sylvia, we've traveled long, but we're finally at the center.
0: Of the USA.
1: Lower 48.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels <laughs> like...
1: We're very centered. Is that true? incredibly true. I feel very centered? I feel very centered. I feel very calm. I feel very zen. Love, Suzanne. Sue's end code. I arranged for us to meet the mayor of Lebanon at the center marker, which is just a few miles outside of town, so we head there over rolling hills. As we get close, we see the little U.S. center chapel and a stone marker dedicating the center. <laughs> There's a small group of people taking pictures at a sign welcoming visitors to the geographical center of the 48 states, and they've got a small trailer just filled with stuff. It turns out that all those sales we passed on the way to Lebanon are part of a statewide garage sale that spans nearly 400 miles from the Missouri-Kansas border all the way to Colorado. People set up along 36th highway selling car parts, VHS tapes, antique furniture, just all sorts of stuff. And that's what brought Carol Smith, her husband Corky, and his brother George out. What kind of stuff you got? What, a, what a items you picked oh,
4: up? Oh, gosh, George, get over here. Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> get over here. I didn't um, buy a month. We've got car parts, we've got <laughs> candles, holders, we've got uh, dishes. Okay. Corky. Uh, clothes, Corky, George. Uh, <laughs> oh, you bought of, George at the yeah, market? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Tobacco cans and. Right. Uh, just yeah. marvelous stuff.
1: Yeah. What do well, you
4: go what well, you just come up here to do this? Yep. yep. Is that right? All the way from Kansas City. Yep. Yeah. Oh for yeah. heaven's sake.
1: <laughs> so they take off to hunt more treasure to sell on eBay and we sit down at a picnic table with Lebanon mayor Rick Chapin and Gary Jepsen. Gary's a transplant from Salt Lake City most recently and he says his whole family loves Lebanon. We wanted to be out of the big cities.
4: Mm. And it's very peaceful out here and there's no you know, the pollution is minimal. The, you can see the billion, bazillion stars every night. I mean, it's the skies are...
1: You can see the Milky Way, and I mean, you can see from the northeast to the southwest. Since Gary moved to town, he's joined an organization called the U.S. Center Foundation. You know all those dilapidated houses I mentioned earlier? Well, over the last decade or so, people have been leaving rural towns like Lebanon for urban areas because jobs are scarce. You know, as people left town and left these buildings, uh, there wasn't demand for the buildings. I think
4: buildings got left behind and nobody would occupy them. And after five or 10 years with no heat in them, pipes burst and and things happen, roofs go down. And
1: so it just become uninhabitable. Automated farming has put a lot of young folks out of jobs and sent them elsewhere. And for years, that was just kind of a fact of life. But Gary says a lot of the progress made in the last few years is due to city leaders and residents actually making a concerted effort to change that. And Rick feels like it's a necessary risk to raise money and make some moves.
4: I think the town of Lebanon has went through years of not wanting to take that risk. Mm-hmm. And so we've decided that we need to. Yeah. To save the town and keep try to keep the population at least stable or or bring families in. And we have, we've brought in a half a dozen new families in the last couple of years. So. So far, we're we're working on it. We're getting there. It's gonna be. It take a, It'll take a while. And the residents themselves have helped out
1: revitalization by donating their time and their money. Um, this is a very generous. I'll go outside of Lebanon and say a very generous county. People get sick. They do fundraisers. They raise thousands of dollars. Gary still runs a business in Salt Lake City from Lebanon, and Rick is a carpenter by trade. Being mayor is practically a volunteer position. To get an idea of what he looks like, think camo t shirt and jeans, just about as far from a politician as you can get. But in a way, leadership is in his blood. His dad was the last city marshal that Lebanon ever had. And besides leaving to go to college, Rick's been here almost his entire life.
4: What
0: was it like growing up here?
4: Takes you back to the 1800s, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used, I never wore shoes in the summertime. Never. Yeah. I mowed lawns and, and, One of my favorite toys back then was a big steel wheel that I could push around all over town on with a stick. The fact that Lebanon is the center
1: of the U.S. plays into the town's strategy to attract younger folks to live there. They get people visiting from Germany, Japan, China, all over the place. And that also means partnering with some unexpected groups like the Southern California Motorcycle Association, which has challenged bikers to drive to the four corners of the U.S. and pass through Lebanon each time. There's a lot of interest in it. If we can just somehow grab onto that Mm -hmm. and make something of it. Before we let Rick and Gary get back to their day, we stop inside the little white chapel that's at the center and leave a note in the comment box to be published in the Smith Center Pioneer newspaper. Ooh. Do you want to read it? Yeah. So thanks to Rick for showing us how awesome Lebanon is. From Cody and Suzanne from KCUR. There we go. We go back into town afterwards and order some food at Ladaw's.
0: I feel good. Can I just get some mashed potatoes? Mm-hmm. With gravy? No gravy. Any dessert or anything? Strawberry rhubarb cobbler? Yeah, salad. we better get the strawberry rhubarb. Okay. <laughs> and to drink.
1: Just water After we finish up, we go across the street to the library where we run into the woman who just took our food order. We told you this was a small town.
0: Hi, wait, do you work
2: everywhere here?
1: (laughs) Dana Ladow-Sinnellaney's parents own Ladow's market, and she's one of the younger people we see around town.
0: Our average age was, I think, like in the 70s. Now it's dropped down to like 32 because we've had like six new babies in the last year. So, I mean, kids are kind of like starting to come back and like make this their home.
1: Dana met her husband in Zambia and brought him back to Lebanon before their daughter was born.
0: It was a culture shock at first, and he was scared, kind of like just being different and what people would say. But everyone knew, like knew about him before he was coming, and like we're ready to see him and welcoming. And
2: so yeah, he talks
0: to all the little coffee drinkers, and (laughs) yeah, does he like it? He does. He really likes it. I mean, he misses home and friends and stuff, but yeah, he really does. Wait, can we just talk about how funny that was that she was working in both places?
1: Wasn't it, though?
0: Well, I just thought I was missing something or that, I don't know, it it was like a weird Twilight Zone episode. (laughs) Like, you come to the town of Lebanon and everyone is Dana.
1: Every single store clerk is Dana. (laughs) (laughs) We asked Dana if there's anyone else we should talk to in town, and she says we should go visit Gladys Kennedy before we head back to Kansas City.
4: Uh, elderberry and rhubarb strawberry and plum.
1: Gladys is busy selling jelly in a warehouse at one of the treasure hunt sales, the Dot 36
4: Highway. Well, I was born in Lebanon, <laughs> and I'm 99 now. The first year we was married, we lived in Espen. Okay. And then uh, when he was in service, we lived in Rapid City, South Dakota for about six months. Okay. Otherwise been Lebanon.
1: She remembers when the town formally dedicated its geographical center marker.
4: It was dedicated in 1941. Okay. But I think it, you know, up to that time they were working on it. And, How
0: you know. many times have you been there, to the markers?
4: Oh, I'm just there quite often. We have different things going on out there. An Easter sunrise service there, and uh, then uh, people just want to go out and see while we take them out.
1: I think it says something about Lebanon's community that folks like Gladys have been here for as long as they have. She tells us that she's been in the same house for 65 years, and she's still got plenty of family in town, too.
4: How many kids do you have? Five. Ten grandchildren and 21 great-grandchildren. Wow. And all of my family live in Kansas.
1: And, of course, before we leave, Suzanne picks up a jar of jelly for the road as we go back home to the big city bustle. One thing I kept thinking about now that we're back is how being the center of the U.S. in one respect, like in the scientific respect just doesn't matter. Like that's just sort of a weird thing that it, it just is completely arbitrary.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter and it may not even be the actual center. Right. But it does.
1: Yeah, it to, definitely does. It
0: does to the town of Lebanon and I don't know, I think that's important.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's important for, I think, towns, no matter what their size, to have an identity of some sort. And I think it's very clear that Lebanon... Like, the very fabric of that town is informed by the fact that they are the center of the U.S.
0: And honestly, we would have never had any other reason to go there if it hadn't been for this. So I'm really thankful that it was designated in that way and it made us go find out more about it and meet these people.
1: Yeah, for sure. Quest well done. (laughs) Yeah,
0: nice work. We should do this more often. (laughs)
1: trivia. Okay. Are you ready for trivia? Yes. <laughs> that face didn't tell me that you're ready for trivia.
0: Okay, wait. Yes, now I'm ready.
1: Now your face tells me that you're ready for trivia. Okay, so this question has to do with geographical centeredness, but in a little bit of a different way. Um, so, in the Jules Verne classic novel, Journey to the Center of the Earth, what is the name of the volcano that the main characters descend into? A. Snifel's Yokut In Iceland, B. Colombo in the Aegean Sea, C. Mount Aragats in Armenia, or D. Mount Vesuvius in Italy.
0: I'm gonna go with C in Armenia.
1: You're gonna go with Mount Aragats. It is not. (laughs) It is Snæfellsjökull in Iceland.
0: I should have been clued by your very good pronunciation of that. That that was it.
1: I'm I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. (laughs) I think I am. Confidence. <laughs> Confidence. <laughs> Shocks. We can't get any of these right. Neither of us.
0: Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to Question Quest. If you have ideas for places that we should check out, send us an email at questionquest at kcur.org. You can follow Cody on Twitter. He's at Cody Newell, and our show is at QQ underscore podcast. Get in touch with us, and we'll put your ideas into our decks. Music this week is by me, Billy Torello, Lobo Loco, Steve Gunn, and Dr. Turtle. Our producers are Sylvia Maria Gross, Brianna O'Higgins, and I'm Suzanne Hogan. And you're Cody Newell. Yup. Tune in next week.